Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast for Saturday, September 19th. How is everyone doing today? My name is Eric, the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF 21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and tomorrow will be the last day, unfortunately, for TikTok. It looks like TikTok is closing down, which is a little weird to me, but I'm sure that the platform and another name, another app or whatever will be up in no time. So I will be on there posting videos and whatnot. You can also find my fantasy football rankings at etop21sports.com. Uh, my betting spread spreadsheets on etop21sports.com. Nice little night last night. Got a little over three. U-R-O-I. Campbell getting it done for us. First half and game. Reds getting it done on the wrong end with the Orioles and the Tigers. With MLB coming to an end, this is when I kind of tend to drift back a little bit on um, MLB just because, you know, those guys, historically, they play a long season. Guys check out. After the All-Star game, I don't play it. But we're in COVID now, so within COVID, you know, I may play a couple more than I normally do, but, you know, I'm going to kind of have to see all the numbers and do a little bit more research into that stuff with guys shutting it down and teams being eliminated and all that good stuff. Um, You know, we have a great show today, talking Thursday night football recap, talking a little Clippers. So first of all, let's jump into the Thursday night game. Now, with the Thursday night game, A- Everyone that was posting stuff about Kareem Hunt, how he's getting more touches than Chubb, where is everybody now? Did those same people realize that there was a point in the game when Nick Chubb had 20 carries and Kareem Hunt only had one? Does anyone realize that? The reason why Kareem Hunt got more action the last game was very simple. Very, very simple, people. The game went off cue. The game went off cue. When the game goes off cue... They had to pass more. That's why Hunt is in there, because Kavansky views him as a better receiving back. But when you have this game, when the game can stay on script and on cue, Chubb's going to be the feature guy. It's not that hard to understand. And anyone that knows anything about football will watch a football game and know that Nick Chubb is a better back than Kareem Hunt. Okay? So that's, that's out of the way. Because it was amazing to me how everyone after one week was saying, oh, look at me, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. It's a whole season, people. And everyone was like, well, you're right after this week. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying what I thought is going to happen is happening. Let's see what happens the next week. Because with my eyes, and my eyes know football, Nick Chubb is a way better running back. Now, let's rewind to the game. So, the Browns are still the Browns. Stefanski is an idiot coach. And the Bengals are going to get Joe Burrow killed. And A.J. Breen is going to get traded. Now, why do I think those things? Number one. How many dumb penalties did the Browns have? How many drives were extended? After they scored that touchdown with Chubb, balls kicked out of bounds. They should have been off the field. A personal foul, unnecessary roughness, extended the drive. There's another one that led to a touchdown. Okay? They're still making these plays that championship teams don't make. And yes, I was high on the Browns going into this league because of their offensive line, but... I haven't seen anything from Skafanski that's changing the culture of making these dumb, silly penalties that extends drives. And until I see that, I'm not willing to take that time to elevate the Browns to the next level. Also, if me, the 
the person that just bets sports and tells you guys my opinions can see that Mayfield can't doesn't like a clean pocket and his footwork is awful, why is the Skavansky addressing that if he's supposed to be this quote-unquote offensive genius? Why? The footwork and Mayfield's willingness to stay in a clean pocket hasn't changed. It's still bad. Why hasn't that been addressed? Maybe they're going to address in this big 10-day window they have. I don't know. But I have not been that impressed so far by Skafanski. Also, I mean, you have the ball in the fourth quarter. What was it? Like, there's like eight, seven minutes left. They go down and score in two minutes. They go down and score in two minutes. Run the ball. Work the clock. Four minutes offense. There's also that point where they could have took the three when they're on the one. I mean, there's just a lot of questionable calls. I just don't understand, like, what he's thinking or what he's doing. I mean, I personally, I wouldn't have called that game that way, but, I mean, I've gone on record, and maybe this is just me being an arrogant asshole. I really believe I can call a better offensive and defensive game than anyone in the NFL. Just because, and especially when it comes down to time management, these coaches are just don't understand when to bleed the clock, when to save time. It's like some of the stuff they do makes zero fucking sense to me. Um, my other point was Burrow's going to get killed. I mean, legit, Burrow is going to get killed. With how bad that offensive line is protecting, you can't have him go back there 60 times because he's just going to get hit, like, all day. I don't understand why Zach Taylor hasn't figured out Joe Mixon needs to be the guy facilitating the offense. I mean, I know the Bengals weren't that good last year, but offensively they looked better last year in the second half of the season when they started pounding the ball with Joe Mixon more. When they started giving the ball to Mixon more, their offense was more fluid. And when you're off, and then work in the play action and let the young rookie progress and take stuff to that next that next level. That's what I would do if I was Zach Taylor. But for whatever reason, Taylor has him back there, and he's going to get that poor guy killed. And we could have another David Carr situation. You know, a good quarterback, young quarterback, bad offensive line, too many hits. And I look at Burrow, I mean, I'm not as high as Troy Aikman is on him because I I read something on Twitter that Troy Aikman said his performance against the Chargers was the best performance ever by a rookie. I mean, I don't know what Troy Aikman's talking about, but Burrow's got a lot of stuff to do. Anytime he throws the ball downfield, he overthrows the coverage. Why? He doesn't want to get INT'd. He's hoping his receiver can go up and make a play, but he's still got a lot of development to do, fitting the ball in the tight window, throwing the ball deep into coverage. He's got a lot of stuff he needs to look in the mirror and address. Also, A.J. Green. My A.J. Green thing is this. He left the he left the field like four times. How the hell do you leave the field four times with an injury? And it was all different injuries. I don't know if you guys caught up, but it was all a different injury why A.J. Green left the field, which was insanely weird to me insanely weird. Like, what is going on right now with A.J. Green? I really think they should have traded him in the offseason. I know he was healthy last year and could have played, but, I mean, Jesus, dude, like, what is going on? Just trade the guy, get the picks, and, like, let Higgins develop into the weapon and just go from there. Um, So, I mean, that's kind of like what I saw with the Thursday night game. I mean, that, oh, my God, I could, I'm not one to get really pissed off about losing a bet and everything, because I look at it like a investment. I'm investing in the game. I'm trusting what I'm seeing. I'm investing in the game. And I know at the end of the year, I'm going to be up on ROI. My spreadsheets are very public. I share them with everybody. I'm not the people that just post stuff when they win stuff. So anyway, I'm here. 
and um, you know I'm covering my Browns minus six. And let's face it, the Bengals had zero, absolutely zero business covering that game. Zero business covering that game. And I did one of those DK 50-50 contests. Again, if you're going to be playing DraftKings or FanDuel, 50-50 is the way to do it. Don't chase the pipe dream of the millionaire maker where you barely make anything. Higher stakes, 50-50, get your money back. So anyway, I had shoved in my one-times X pot. I had the Browns D because I thought they'd be able to check Mayfield somewhat and Garrett would be able to take advantage of the poor offensive line. But anyway, that touchdown pushed me out of the money because I had the Browns D and other people had... Burrow as the one x multiple 1.5x one, multiplier, and I lost the Browns minus six. So yeah, so that touchdown wasn't that pretty. Wasn't that pretty. But you know, it's been a little rough start to the NFL. But you know, I'll rebound. I always do. I'm not worried about that. And my members know that as well because they're my rider dies. Um, speaking of members, you know, if people are interested in a weekend or a day, I'll be willing to work with you guys. But anything long term, you know. I just can't do. I mean, I'm the amount of questions I get, and I want to be respectful to them because they were prompt in being part of the program. You know, I will I will go with those guys. But anything longer than that, I'm just not taking right now. So if you guys want a short term membership, you know, message me and we'll go from there. Um, loaded day at college football today. All the plays have already been sent out, sent out. Really like the card. Really looking forward to that Miami Louisville game. Really, really, really looking forward to that. Also, 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 please remember. Please remember, when you see people boasting, they don't win all the time. I know for a fact a lot of guys on these platforms don't post everything. I'm one of the few that posts everything. A lot of people don't post everything. So just be careful of that because not everyone's winning as much as they can. Um, now, the next thing I want to go on is I really didn't, when I was on with Gino Bacala this past week on the That's What G, G Said podcast, I really didn't dive into the um, Clippers in the offseason. Um, and thank you, Gino, for having me on. Always loved going on, talking basketball, talking NFL. Great guy. If you guys aren't following my boy, Gino Bacala, make sure you give him a follow at Gino Bacala. Insane when it comes to horse racing. Wealth of knowledge for every sport, baseball, football, basketball. Um, great follow. So make sure you go to that. He runs a lot of promos, too, where you can get a discount if you sign up for um, a couple of DFS sites and or... Uh, stable duel. But anyway, the Clippers this offseason, the number one thing they have to do is they have to find a point guard. I mean, looking at the point guard market, God, who do you go for? I mean, Dradish has priced himself out of the market. Jeff Teague, but Jeff Teague isn't what the Jeff Teague we used to know. So they have to get a point guard. And unfortunately, the Lou Williams time here is done. There was a thing where the Clippers came out and they said that Montrell was more important than, than them to Lou. You don't think that pissed Lou off. I've personally met Lou Williams a couple times, and I know for a fact, a fact, that pissed Lou Williams off, that that was said about him. So obviously, they need to trade Lou, try to get a point guard, and I really think everything that happened is they got caught up trying to take guys away from the Lakers, so the Lakers wouldn't get these guys, and they just didn't build between George, Kawhi, Lou and Montrell. If you build around those four, that would have been a solid team. That would have been a really solid team. So I really think the Clippers kind of missed the boat. And also it's important to remember the Clippers, Leonard can opt out. He can opt out after last year. So if they don't do something where they get what Leonard wants, he could be gone. 
and George definitely needs to see a psychiatrist. And he totally abandoned his mid-range game. Like, why aren't you just posting up 15-footers, whatever? He settled for those threes too much, and then he just couldn't hit a broadside on the barn. So it's definitely going to be an interesting offseason in terms of Los Angeles. Doc, I really think Doc needs to go. But that's kind of how it is in everything in the world. If you like someone, they get a pass. And people like Doc. People really, really like Doc. And he's getting a pass, and he's going to be back as a coach just because people like him. So, um, And then one thing Stephen A. said. Stephen A. said Paul George is a great guy. Does he realize this is the same Paul George that raw-dogged Roy Hibbert's wife? And that's why Roy Hibbert shit the bed for the Pacers during the playoffs. And this is the same Paul George that got a stripper pregnant when he was dating Doc Rivers' kid. Just a random question. Just a random thought. But anyway, that's what I think about the Thursday night game and the Clippers. Also, real quick, we got the Stanley Cup coming up. Oh, my God. I had one future, and it was the Stars. And going into it... Everyone was telling me the Stars can't do it, blah, 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 blah. Well, look what we got here. The Stars have made it. They're in the Stanley Cup Finals, and they're playing against Tampa Bay. Head-to-head for the year, Tampa Tampa Bay was 0-2 against the Stars. But, I mean, honestly, this bubble life is completely something that's different. You look at their stats for the year, Dallas, 27.3% of the power play, 83.3% of the penalty kill, 20. 2.95 goals for, 3.05 goals against. Tampa Bay, 17.9% on the power play, 83.6% on the penalty kill, 3.11 goals for, 2.21 goals against. I mean, the Stars came into this. First round, they had the Flames. Everyone's like, Flames, 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 Flames. Oh, the. What happened? Stars got it done. They're rolling out with their backup goalie, Antoine Coupadum, who's played very good since Bishop can't go. He's been deemed unfit to play. Like I said, the Stars got past everyone's public dog. A friendly reminder, never bet on the public dog, people. Um, the Calgary Frames in six games, and they met the Avalanche. Avalanche were a team that everyone was high on. I mean, I was high on them, but the numbers sucked. That's why I didn't play them this year. And they got it done. I mean, they were able, the strength of the Stars team was supposed to be the defense and the weakness, the offense. But, I mean, it was a high-scoring game and, I mean, a high-scoring series. And the Stars were able to get it done. They outscored the Avalanche 29-28. Also, but, you know, it is important to reminder that the Avalanche were without their starting goalkeeper. Stars did average three three goals a game. In the conference finals, Dallas was the second highest scoring team behind only Colorado, which was very shocking. Um, they go out there and play the Golden Knights. I mean, obviously the Knights had the best goalkeeper to date they've faced, but you know, the Stars were able to play at a much quicker pace than the Knights were able to keep up with. And I mean, let's face it, the Knights were a trendy pick. The Knights got pimped by the Stars. The Stars played great. They're a constant dog. I mean, how many times did me and my guys cash the plus 150 to plus 155? Um, And now they face the Lightning. Now, here's the thing. The Lightning are the team that everyone thought would be here. Um, I really thought that Blue Jackets series, I honestly, I kind of thought they're going to lose it because the Blue Jackets play that checking, hold it back, gum up the game type of game, and I will give them credit, they they pimped them. I mean, 
yeah, it was a long series, but it was never really in doubt. Um, that first game took forever. What was it, like six overtimes? Um, and then against the Islanders, I'm, they just, offensively, the Islanders couldn't keep up. Islanders tried to control the puck, control the pace, gum up the game, control the neutral zone, but they just they just couldn't keep it up. Um, obviously, looking at this team um, head-to-head, the big factor is going to be Stars signing of Joe Panatsky. I mean, this game kind of reminds me of the the series, kind of reminds me of the Avalanche and Stars. You have the Avalanche, the big offensive team. The Stars, will their defense be able to keep up and will they be able to generate um, enough offense? Um, that is why I think Pavansky could be the big difference maker. Is he going to be able to get the puck in the back of the net for the Stars? That's why I was here. Score games and big things. Score things and big things. Score goals and big games. He's the big veteran veteran signing. Um, I really think that in order for Dallas to win, Kobolden needs to be on point. He's been playing great up to here. He's going to get more shots than he's used to being seen. And in the in the bubble and playoffs so far, it's going to be on him. If he can play anywhere near what he has been playing, this is the Star Series. A lot of you guys have asked me if I am hedging. I'm going to see how Game 1 goes. I really think the Stars win Game 1. If the Stars win Game 1 and I can get better than the minus 175 that's out for there for the Lightning, I'll look at it. But guys, right now, it's half a unit to win eight units because I got a plus 1,600. So right now I'm probably just going to let it sail. 